1: Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Would you like to go first or shall I? It's up to you. Probably you this week. All right. (laughs) Let's see what I got. Oh, yeah. I thought this was interesting because we're always talking about how do you know what you know? Like, how do you know that your side is right or how do you know what's Mm -hmm. true? So in Hong Kong, new textbooks are going to teach that the city was never a British colony. Interesting. Yep. So in terms of what's real and what people think actually happens in the world... Hong Kong is going to have a very different view of its own history for people that are five years old, and growing up to be adults. That's an interesting question. Is like when was an erad
2: like? Can we think of a, a well known fact that was actually the subject of an eradication of truth campaign so thorough that effectively any dissenting opinion was just deleted, and now it's like so well known that whatever did or did not happen that. Of course, you wouldn't know yeah, that's <laughs> what it is, but it's just interesting to think that, like, imagine, you know, you're in China, imagine that they uh, become a, the number one power in the world, imagine that you don't leave China, but you've traveled extensively all over China 50 years or 60 years down the line, and you never encounter anybody that mentions that Hong Kong was a, a British colony. Yeah, uh, It's just like finding out that, I don't know, that
1: Pennsylvania used to be owned by france or something (laughs) i think the u.s is actually exceptionally good at this in the sense that there's there's stuff that people know but really gets glossed over Mm -hmm. like when you go to the vietnam war museum as a u.s citizen it's quite jarring Mm -hmm. relative to what you're shown in school and i know there's controversial takes like economic hitman that book about how the u.s has kind of exploited a lot of latin america for resources you don't learn that growing up Mm -hmm. i think if you're someone who doesn't travel internationally that much your knowledge of the sins of the u.s government is probably pretty light relative to if you put together a list of all the horrible things the u.s government's done over the last hundred years yeah yeah that was my
2: distinct i mentioned this uh i think on the podcast my distinct impression of eleventh grade history class when we talked about Vietnam was one of confusion. I was like, none of this makes sense. Like, you've, you've, I know the words for the test: Gulf of Tonkin, Tet Offensive. But like, yeah, we had to stop Russia; they were being bad, <laughs> and uh, so we invaded Vietnam. I was like, this doesn't. I'm not getting it. I, did, I really couldn't understand communism versus capitalism, and Russia trying to control its satellites, and the U S. trying to control the world. Noam Chomsky is the one who laid it out that way. He said the Cold War was Russia trying to exert control over its satellites in a media periphery and the U.S. trying to control the entire world. Um, and that made a lot more sense
1: than like, it's really important to us how you elect your leaders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, especially <laughs> because you also, we, I mean, again, I'm talking in public school, high school, you know, K through 12. You don't get, you don't learn about the democratically elected foreign leaders that the U.S. helps overthrow or yeah. fund the revolt of. Like we're the... We are team democracy, Mm -hmm. unless we don't like who gets elected. And then we will put our finger in the water and muddy it a little bit to the extent that we can, or a lot of it. Yeah, in Iran,
2: that was was a big one. I I think it was Mossadegh. I I barely remember these names. But yeah, Iran, but there's several that you mentioned in Latin America that were just pretty egregious from my limited understanding of the naked like utilitarian approach that we took to getting what we wanted Mm -hmm. at the expense of locals and what they had elected for themselves and how they were going to allocate their bananas or their petroleum or whatever it is that they had.
1: Yeah, no. And so I think is there as stark of a complete deletion as they're trying to do with Hong Kong? Maybe not, but I actually think most powerful governments are pretty good at making sure their citizens Aren't really fully understanding their sins unless you deeply research it. And you can, it's all out there, but it doesn't fall into your lap. I mean, you really have to go hunt for this stuff or live abroad for an extended period of time and interact with people with other views. If you're just born in a place and stay there your whole life and go to high school and then aren't that interested in foreign policy, so you decide to spend your free time learning other stuff, you just won't know Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff. So yeah, I think it happens all the time. And this is just the new one. Is China's gonna. Rewrite the story of Hong Kong. Yeah, in their textbooks. Well, it's the new one that we'll know
2: about. It's just interesting. Yeah, what is the one that I've never heard about? The one that, yeah, that just is uh, such an obvious little tidbit of information that I've never questioned in my life. I'm sure that there's lots of them that have just been the result of an effective eradication campaign. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, to just squelch out whatever the truth was. Um, do you
1: have other stuff? I do. Go for it. The Supreme Court has ruled uh, in Maine, so the U.S. Supreme Court, but for Maine, that Maine cannot exclude religious schools from a tuition assistance program that lets parents get vouchers to send their children to public or private school. So previously, you you get a voucher, you go to public school, you go to private school, Mm. but separation of church and state, state funding can't be used to go to a religious institution. Mm. And the Supreme Court, which now has the makeup that it has, has changed that ruling. So that's something being discussed now is how how does that work with the separation of church and state and, you know, with abortion and everything else? Basically, are we going to see a blurring of the lines coming with Mm. the Supreme Court?
2: That's that's an interesting one, because we do, I guess, have this tradition of Catholic schools Mm -hmm. or or whatever that are whatever they have their hour of of mass and everything is kind of through that lens and maybe the dress code, but
1: it is also a school yeah. where they, they teach. So I, I already, cause I cheated and thought about this ahead of time. I already yeah. have a take and uh-huh. then you can kind of see what you think. My big question for this is, are these schools exempt from paying taxes? Mm. Cause they're private schools. Because that seems weird to me that the government is going to give you money that you're going to pay to fund a school and then that school doesn't Did have you to Google pay taxes, this, by the way. Just I curious. couldn't figure it out because if they, if
2: Catholic schools are exempt from.
1: Yeah, I couldn't figure it out because I was looking for specific names in the. the like I was hoping that the main. Yeah. Issue: the state of Maine, the main issue, would list some of the schools, and I could look it up. But I couldn't, with a cursory glance, look it up. But that, to mm-hmm. me, seems like the key determinant. Yes,
2: I mean, I because other I th-
1: private schools, regular private schools do have to pay taxes. You send your kids there, you pay them, and then they pay the taxes. So if the Private schools already benefiting from not paying their taxes. Then I would say, don't take government funding. Yet. You should be giving a discount relative to other private schools because your profitability is higher because you don't have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we I don't shook know out.
2: if if that's the case.
1: No, but I just thought it was interesting because if they don't, then they're getting a sweet sweet deal, mm-hmm. and there's no even if it's unfair, there's no changing it. You don't go above the Supreme Court. So if you do, and I'm not saying that we do, but if you do have a very religious Supreme Court that is in favor of a lot of this stuff, you just got to wait for people to retire or die. There's no going around these nine people. (laughs) It's just just what they think will determine any law that gets appealed all the way up to their court. It's tough to live in a big country with people you don't agree with <laughs> it's, yeah 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 especially when you get especially when literally a handful of people are going to determine how everything shakes out and you go well i don't know there's hundreds of millions of people in our country i don't agree with those six yeah they make all the laws mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a lifetime appointment yeah yeah i don't know i i
2: can't I'm, I'm just reminded of, like, is the U.S. going to fracture or not? And even if it did, this is, I guess, the problem is, like, it's not like 150 million is any more wieldy of a number than 300-some million. It's not like yeah. 150 million people. It's like if all the Republicans went over to Texas, that they'd stop having issues <laughs> and wanting to split no, just off fracture and, between and fracture the further. And, uh, yeah, moderate yeah. Right. Um And it seems to be, like, this is just uh, a... Like, okay, so how does 150 million or 300 million people hold it together? Common myths that they believe in, which can be like, it can be the U.S. Olympic team.
1: (laughs) It can be uh,
2: common enemies. Well, I think the
1: big, so a big thing that's happening in the U.S., one of the myths was that the U.S. is the greatest country in the world. Mm -hmm. And that's being eroded a bit in some people's minds. Yeah. Which makes some people want to protect the U.S. because they do think it's the greatest country in the world, so they want to protect the status quo, and it makes some people want to radically change the U.S. because they now think that the U.S. is horrible relative to what it could be. Yeah.
2: This is why, uh, whatever, spoilers for Watchmen, Ozymandias needed to get the alien mm-hmm. <laughs> to come. Yeah, yeah. Because you need a big, more powerful... I'm just thinking, yeah, the 50s were great because we just beat up the Nazis and still had the threat of the Russians. not great, but like... Good for the country. Well, I guess that, but then you had then you had the hippies, and there's always a generational mm-hmm. uh, pulling apart that seems to happen. I think but the I guess, number
1: one thing that keeps the U.S. together is that it's the geographics don't split well politically. Mm-hmm. Like you have, you're saying, the coasts you have California, yeah, Oregon, New York. they like the people who all agree politically are not clustered well. Mm-hmm. I think if they were clustered well, you'd have a much better chance of of a civil war or a non-war parting where people just go, forget it. You guys be your own team. But it's too sloppy geographically. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that's going to be a big reason that it doesn't work out. I think also probably economic success. Like when things are good,
2: people can deal with their ideological uh, things not happening. Well, things are not
1: about to be good. Things are about to be potentially very bad. Well, we've decided,
2: Ben and I have declared, we're in a recession because- Uh, Selling of luxury goods is occurring.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, I don't know that anybody thinks that we're not heading towards a recession. People will about like heading
2: towards, like, are we, will it happen? And uh, I'm officially, (laughs) from my non-economic standpoint. It started today. It started. I was like, this is the moment. Um, Because we we had the luxury
1: goods being sold in Malibu uh, on those apps. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But the problem is, I mean, at least if you think about it, if you're trying to predict the health of the economy for the country, I think everybody agrees not good, borrowing bad, inflation bad. But a lot of people talk about it in the realm of how do I protect myself and my own wealth investing wise? But you just never know what government intervention there's going to be. So yeah, there's a recession coming. Everyone knows it. But if you sell everything and buy puts, you just have no idea Biden and Jerome Powell might do something crazy. And all of a sudden the stock market skyrockets to the moon again because they've decided to mortgage the future even harder. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, it's easy to say recession coming, but that doesn't actually mean stock market crash imminent necessarily, mm-hmm. but it might, who knows by the time this releases, maybe the S and P will be at zero. You can just print money till we're all dead. <laughs> 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 just hand it out only to, only to Americans.
2: Um, I have other stuff. Well, this is semi related with money. Um, uh, we're starting our D&D thing, and it's just very interesting. So we're now in the hole, tens of thousands of dollars. Nice. We've yet to produce anything. Sick. <laughs> uh, and it's fascinating that it, when you have money, and the same thing has occurred within Charisma on Command, it's very easy to spend it mm-hmm. um, to solve problems. And sometimes, if you're not careful, to solve nothing. Just like you just get in the habit of spending money because it's a resource that is available mm-hmm. rather than using your brain to ask what are we trying to do? How necessary are things? Um and we've tended always towards our, our personal makeup has always been towards bootstrapping and we'll do it ourselves. And even oh, within yeah. DD, there's well, a strong. For Chris Command,
1: there was there was no tens of thousands to fund it with. Yeah. So it, what it had to be like, okay, if we're gonna spend money on the website. We have to sell eBooks. <laughs> we have to sell enough eBooks to fund the website. Like it didn't now. D and D is benefiting from Charisma on Command* success, which makes us more flippant to invest, but also might make D and D successful quicker.
2: Well, that yeah. One thing that we've not, you and I haven't done, is use money as an effective resource to speed up growth. Like we've always been towards the bootstra- on Command*. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've always yeah. been towards the bootstrappy everything needs to prove its worth. Don't go into, never like deficit spending, but like we're, everything that we spend money on needs to prove its worth very quickly or else it gets its funding cut very quickly. Um, And so it's, yeah, it's just a different thing to be months into a project down the line have produced nothing for customers (laughs) or not customers, consumers. There's nothing to be, there's no product that's being sold Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, And just a very interesting mode that I find myself in. Um, where I'm making a million little Hero Forge minis and recording them in Tailspire, and I'm like, screw it, I'm going to get a different
1: pose for 5 to $8. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I would spend for Chris Command if I thought it would help. That's mm-hmm. the difference. So for D&D, it's like, oh, <laughs> should we get an editor instead of editing it ourselves? Yes, obviously that's going to make it better. Well, we already have an editor for Chris Command, so maybe that's a bad example. But is there another way... If you told me I could spend, if you you said, hey, go take out a loan for 100 grand and you're going to turn it into 200 grand, I would do it for anything. Mm -hmm. But the question is, what can you actually do that with within the business? And that's
2: been the hard part So I don't know. Uh, Yeah, just our personal makeup is that our timeline to turning 100 into 200 is much faster than other people's. Like We demand a return and a proof that something is working very quickly versus other people who will potentially go bust very quickly, but also potentially see faster growth than us. will be like, I'm going to work with this expensive COO that I hired from general motors for nine months going into losing money on them before. Yeah. Um, or, or flipping through several different people. Not that we should do anything different. It's just interesting for me to be in this position where I'm like, we now have three expensive cameras, technically two of them for the podcast. Uh,
1: multiple computers like, you know, sure. running on. I mean, this it's stuff. still, but it's still so light compared to, I think a lot of people run businesses by basically trying to outrun their funding round. So you raise money, spend it all so oh, you can yeah. raise money so you can spend it all. So you can re raise money. I, I have friends like this. I won't name the businesses, but they basically teeter on the brink of, I'm going to make myself as the founder, $40 million, or this is going to go bankrupt. And every investor is going to lose all their money because mm-hmm. they've basically just decided we're not going to stop at, oh, this is profitable and we make a million a year after expenses. And now we can distribute that amongst all the investors. They go, no, we're going to sell for a billion dollars with a B, or we're going to have spent all of our money and have shit tons of bloat and not be profitable and eventually die. (laughs) And and I think that the math just works for those founders because they go, yeah, I'm going to put five years into this and I'm either going to be filthy, filthy, absolutely generationally wealthy, or I'll just have to start a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as long as you don't feel bad about blowing all your investors' money. But sometimes I think the investors even go in eyes open. They know that that's the deal and they're comfortable with it. And yeah, then there's, they just they're diversify. Yeah. yeah, Do you want, I my, my only other thing is a huge tangent, so I don't know if you have anything related. To investing? Elon Musk's getting sued. Elon had a rough week. Do you see this? Yeah. He's getting sued for the Dogecoin pyramid scheme. Somebody's saying that he pump and dumped and should be responsible for the billions of dollars that investors lost by buying in at the times he recommended or shortly after the times he recommended. Uh, I thought the most interesting part was in that lawsuit, they're also saying that that a judge should declare trading Dogecoin as gambling instead of investing Mm -hmm. under federal law, which would obviously change the regulations a lot. And that was the most interesting part to me because this lawsuit, Elon's probably not going to have to pay anything for Dogecoin mm-hmm. unless he goes to prison or something like Jordan Belfort. But I think he'll probably just come out unscathed. But once this is in the court, the court will have to make a ruling on all, each part of it. And one of the parts is, does investing in Dogecoin and coins like it count as gambling or investing? Well, right now it doesn't seem to count as either, right? Because it's it's an unregulated security at this point. It is unregulated, but I think you have to pay capital gains on it, don't you? Yes, but you... Okay, so oh. that would mean that the government... I guess that means the government looks at it as investing. It just doesn't look at it as public equity investing. Could you gamble and ever pay capital gains, or is that just a
2: time frame thing? Because
1: gambling occurs so
2: quickly. I'm just—is there ever? I think a think you gam-
1: income tax on gambling.
2: Doesn't matter if you made a gamble in 2019 and it pays back in 2020. I don't know. I, we have, we're going past my knowledge yeah, of, yeah. of tax laws. It might just be income at that point. I don't know.
1: Um. Yeah. Right now, it's just it's it's. Well, that would matter if you're I mean if your crypto gains were were taxed as income instead of cap gains that would matter. Mhm. That'd be meaningful. Uh
2: yeah, right now it's just crazy. It's <laughs> I saw somebody comment on Reddit. It's like we're just speed running through the 20th century of learning about securities. That's what like, I've been saying. The, yeah. Every every scam. <laughs> just if you
1: want to know what the next crypto scam is, just look at whatever scam got regulated after pumping you
2: numbers. Know, it's just funny watching, uh, and they're just random different people on the internet. But like deregulations, you know, amazing. And it's this is what you get. Uh, I have lots of problems with government. I have lots of problems with the current iteration. There is a reason government exists,
1: and it is to solve problems that we have not figured out other ways to solve. Yeah, like, well, I could be wrong. I also think you can be decentralized, but regulated. So it doesn't, it's not like it eats at the core function of a cryptocurrency to have it regulated so that you can't do certain things that are considered fraud. Uh, well, I guess,
2: how would one enforce that? I, you could include some of it in the coding of the token or whatever or how it's traded but how can know, you, you just prevent say, against that you
1: just say if you do a pump and dump you have to pay fees and go to jail just like if you pump and dump uh, who, who any you, stock who makes you pay fees the government of where you live so that's regulation I'm that's convinced. what I'm saying it's still decentralized even though it's regulated
2: I don't know that that counts as decentralization I, I, well, I understand no, aspects no, of it are there's decentralized there's no
1: you can't print more of it the government can't decide to print more of it mm. the government can't tell you what to peg it to or you know what I mean like it's it is allowed to exist on its own in terms of, I guess, supply, demand, and yeah. function while being regulated. Got it. So I
2: guess there's, that's, that's um, like, I don't, the semantics of it don't matter, but and I don't know enough about crypto to comment intelligently on it, but that there seems to be an important element of centralization of who has the stick and tells you how you can use this and how you can't
1: use this. Well, or not, or you just let people have scams yeah. and rip each other off forever. hmm um, but they will. Yeah, <laughs> no. so and so, so, if the advantage is this is a currency except the U.S.
2: government can't print more when necessary and it can't, uh, I don't know, alter inflation, yeah, uh, it's alter a cur- it would, rates.
1: It could be a currency... Without a Federal Reserve. Where, where federal policy can't manipulate its value. It could be a global currency, right, that's not tied to how the U.S. economy is doing or the decisions that the president makes or what wars you decide to enter right because it's it's the currency of the world so to speak but your local government will penalize you if you violate the local government's laws around crypto trading now obviously Mm -hmm. that gets messy because what laws are they going to pass but that's that's what the people who are arguing for regulation would argue yeah is that you can keep some of the benefits of decentralization and some of the protections of regulation yeah. I'm sure there's libertarians that would say, no, absolutely not. You just let kids get ripped off by YouTubers because that's the price you pay for pure decentralization. But It seems like the shape of the world is
2: towards increasing centralization. And I mean that back from like all these scattered atoms coalescing into stars, you know, becoming planets with single-celled organisms that become multi-celled organisms that are tribes, that grow into nations, that grow into the United Nations.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, it seems like the way forward and I'm sure there's gonna be aspects of decentralization is towards, I know that this is like a dystopia, but like everybody with the chip in their head communicating simultaneously with basically becoming cells in in an earth organism, which I know nobody wants because they value their own autonomy. But that just seems to be the arc of cosmological evolution. So when people are like, we need to fracture and decentralize, it just seems, this is exactly what happens. It's, It's like, guys, we solved this problem. Um, But I I
1: guess I'd need someone smarter
2: than me on crypto to tell me what I'm missing.
1: Yeah, I think there's also people that see that as, maybe see diminishing returns in centralizing. Like Mm -hmm. we just talked about how the US is hard to run. Now imagine if there was a government that was supposed to handle every country in the world at the same time, when there's an even more disparate amount of religious beliefs and political beliefs from the world population than from the US population. I think what you need to see, which is slowly occurring... Is, a, is the world coming together sort of in terms of what their values are? Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong, but I think that's slowly happening. I think that... There's the, a concept the, the of human rights that wide, is new. Exactly. Yeah. Like everyone has a kind of understanding of what a war crime is, and people violate them because they're big and no one penalizes them. But in terms of global consciousness or an agreement on what the rules ought to be, we're not close to being together but we're closer to everyone agreeing on what that should be than we were 100 years ago 500 years ago so I, I think you can't as we're seeing in the u.s you can't have a global government unless everyone in the world has roughly the same values and morals yeah but i think we're ever so slowly getting closer together in that regard yeah
2: and i, th- I feel like again that we've talked about this but it seems like when one of the things that economic prosperity and technology enable is people to Stop worrying about surviving for long enough to recognize that other people are very much like them and also trying to survive. And then you get charity for people that are on the other side of the world and completely unlike you. And mm-hmm. I agree that the amount of people 2000 years ago that would have been like, the tribe next to me is subhuman, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and should be destroyed, eradicated because they killed Joju or whatever, you know what I mean? They desecrated our idols. It's probably a lot, it was a higher percentage of just, um, dehumanization and occurring uh, 2,000 years ago than there, there yeah. is today, I think.
1: Yeah, probably the biggest thing is the religious differences. So, mm-hmm. the, But the world will either become more secular or need to have some sort of overarching global religion in order for it to all fit under one government. Mm-hmm.
2: Here we go. This is the other thing that I did. I watched a video from Modern Wisdom. Uh, and this is, is a discussion that we'd had about the word retard and how it's used and how it uh, has become a bad word but words like moron, imbecile, idiot, cretin, that were also, all of these were designations for bands of IQ that were, you know, 30 to 50, 50 to
1: 70. Yeah, people um, might not know this. I think you're speed running this, but I think there's some people who might not realize this. If
2: you want to check up the history of the words on Wikipedia, you can, but they, they were technical
1: terms to refer to IQ ranges. Right, so if someone um, was an imbecile, that this, meant something, yeah. that meant a specific IQ. It didn't just mean that you're not smart. Mm-hmm. And if someone is retarded, it meant the same thing. It and wasn't, an idiot. It wasn't a slur. It was just yeah. a designation for IQ. Yeah. Yeah. And and some of those designations have become totally fine to say as insults well, to say well, while gaming. They all became totally fine to say, you know, like for a long yes, time. Some of them still are. You're not going to get canceled lose mm-hmm. sponsors if you say imbecile. Mm-hmm. And so the guy who he had as a guest is like, look, I've, I've
2: racked my brain trying to, f-, you know, and and looked up the, the, the words and the history. Why this one? Why did it? And the only thing I could come up with is that a couple intellectuals uh, applied almost no principle to this process Mm -hmm. at all and said this is a bad word and were effective in spreading that that out. The problem, obviously, is that any technical term that you use to refer to something that is undesirable will
1: inevitably be co-opted by people and used... To hurl obese. In insults. Obese is a yeah, good yeah, example. Yeah. Obese has a, a meaning. It was meant to mm-hmm. be a designation so that we had a term for a certain amount of weight <clears throat> for doctors to be able to talk. Okay, if you if there's an obese person, then this is what you would do. And then it became something people would say to be mean. Mm-hmm. And so then it became something that people wanted to censor because it was mean. Mm-hmm. And so now there'll just have to be a new term that they come up with that isn't considered mean yet. That, that will, will replace be used, that will though. replace yeah. yeah, but it will replace obese temporarily. So that a doctor can tell you, "Hey, we need to talk because you're." Here's the new word that's not offensive. Yeah, but then that people will just start using that word as an insult. Yeah, it'll just be a cycle of <laughs> getting sen- technical, uses an insult censored, new term. <laughs> yeah, uses an insult censored, uh, and so he points out which is like the NAACP. I thought this
2: one was interesting. I hadn't heard it, but it makes sense. It's the Nationals. What is it, is it? American Association for Colored People, which is. uh, Colored people, and he talks about the difference between people of color and colored people. That historically, colored people was a term used by the de- NAACP to designate themselves mm-hmm. and to say, like, this is what we do. We advocate for this group. And he did this a similar, you know, he, what he, he was able to find is that according to these intellectuals, that um, colored people centers color, but people of color centers people. people. But that, that even is
1: tenuous at best. Um, well, especially because if you, there's a, there's psychology belief that but the last what word end that on you say <laughs> is the most important thing so if you say like i'm really sorry but yeah. you're wrong for doing that versus i think you're wrong for doing that but i'm really sorry how yeah. i handled it the clause you end with is all that people hear and remember mm-hmm. which would in theory mean that people of color yeah. according to that psychological theory centers the color part well again again i
2: think they're both fair analyses one of them is from a I don't know if it's semantic or grammatical thing like yes this one uh that that analysis that they did is correct but i think what you did is yeah but from an understanding perspective what sticks with people
1: is that second half yeah far more I'm not, actually not saying one's better or but worse the, i'm saying i think the point it's is funny it's, because it's arguable yeah that is i mean i think that is true when you're talking to someone that your the second half of your sentence is what people remember or the thing that comes after the, the conjunction is what people remember so mm-hmm. And it's, it was uh,
2: interesting that it seems that what has happened is uh, there's a grain, or even more than that, of a good instinct, which is don't say things to people that certainly are purposely upsetting and hurtful and be aware of things that might not be upsetting so that you can avoid them and not upset people needlessly. There is also a race to be holier and uh, and find the new damnable offense mm-hmm. constantly and then pin people when they, you know, do it. I, I remember the bachelorette who went to the, the old South party, you know, and like, which no one at the party had a problem with, an issue with, you know, or thought anything about. And we talked about at the time, I don't know that I said this, but, the, there was a, anyway long story. Bachelorette went to a school in the South where they used to have antebellum style parties where they would dress up in traditional like plantation garb. There was no um, whips or like anything outright slavery, but slavery occurred in the antebellum South. Right? That was one of the, the yeah and the slave owners
1: They were dressing the way slave owners dressed.
2: They were also dressing the way people <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: dressed in the South. I'm just I'm just giving the yes. steel man of what the why it was
2: cancelable. But what we haven't canceled is. You know romans who had slaves or egyptians
1: oh yeah this, was my, this slaves, is what i thought was or weirdest. pirates who 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 took slaves all over the world vikings <laughs> yeah you can dress up as jack sparrow who you know pirate rape pillage slave trader probably yeah. vikings rape pillage genghis kong rape pillage you can do egyptian i don't know that you could do genghis Khan for other reasons though okay you can do you can do egyptian pharaoh yeah slave owner that might be cultural appropriation these,
2: but you can be certainly i've heard nothing against pirate nothing against gladiator do you realize gladiators were slaves yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that were fighting in the pit that had to fight event. to the death um the point is that
1: these when you're racing you could do julius caesar there's a slave owner
2: <laughs> i don't know did he? i
1: probably did you could do dude, toga party what, yeah how is a toga party not a party of people dressed like slave owners
2: Uh, well, they had, I don't know enough about Roman, or, uh, I guess technically it could even be Greek, depending on the (laughs) tokens. The point is, when you're racing to find the offensive thing and to point how it is, you unknowingly are taking not just this grain of thing where you got, you gotcha, bachelorette, there's this whole other thing that would be implicated just as much Mm -hmm. that, uh, it's crazy. You know what I mean? And it's just like, wait a second, but you you dressed up like a pirate? They traded slaves? Well, that's not what I meant by it at yeah, the yeah. time. So yeah, it's um it's it's, you know, it's been said on a million podcasts a million times, but it's dumb and it's uh it has strayed from the goal of being kind and sensitive to a obvious, I mean, this is not an insightful thing. It's just a power play, which is weird for the um Postmodernists to be who are so so conscious that everything is there's there is no truth. Everything is power to just wield power so um, brazenly and without you know consideration of how it impacts other people, knowing that they have no foundation on which to to do that, other than that they've effectively wrested it from other people. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: So yeah, that's that. I just thought was an interesting thing that i saw on youtube cool anything else you got i got one more i i don't know if you want to touch on it or skip it but it's just something we talked about in the past with leah thomas but the world world swimming has banned transgender athletes from women's events Mm. you want to drudge this up again or you want to just i actually you reminded me of something else i saw which is not this okay well do you want to talk about this briefly or do you want to just swing past it go ahead i don't know what you want to say so they said that there's a FINA members have widely adopted a new gender inclusion policy is what they're calling it. That says you can swim if you transition to before age 12. And if you transitioned after age 12, you either can't compete or they're proposing an open competition category. So mm-hmm. the, so the, the peop, the woman at Penn who was so controversial wouldn't be able to swim now. Yeah. That's just the, that's how that shook out. Do you want to hear something crazy? So this just happened. Katie
2: Ledecky, this is the thing, earns huge 14-second win at world championships. This is a biological female swimmer who beat the other women mm-hmm. by 14 seconds. That's like a half a lap. That's a different that's a different universe. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no now here's the thing. This is where I get to with the trans stuff that nobody likes. That person, Katie, is in a different biological class effectively than everyone else out there. You're going to tell me she trained so much harder than those other girls? You're going to tell me that she like she's six feet tall. She's probably got muscles in places that, that I don't have. The uh, It is so strange, I think, that we are as... I don't, I don't want to have this whole conversation again because I felt like I have to build it from the ground up and still I feel misunderstood sometimes by the audience on this. <laughs> but um, these divisions that we have i i uh there we go it's not fair uh trans women have an unfair biological advantage it's like yeah but so does katie ledecky so does lebron james and you know so did what was the guy's name who played like two sports that was just couldn't work out oh yeah Bo. is it bo jackson bo
1: jackson Jackson, who wasn't like couldn't lift weights because he would get too bulky he was just, yeah it would slow him down would slow him he wasn't down. allowed to lift because he, he was already so insane. strong it's i mean like, ultimately his career ended because he was so strong that when someone tried to tackle him he pulled his own leg out of his yeah. socket running <laughs> like what are these sports if not
2: measures of arbitrary biological wins that people have been dealt compounded of course by the training that they put in which winds out being a wash at the highest levels yes. you know like uh And to say, oh, that's not fair, that person has biological advantages, it's like, that's the entire point of what we're doing here, is to measure and witness biological advantage. And celebrate them. And celebrate it. Um, And to go, no, that's not fair, this person is just too much, is like, well, I don't know. I wonder if we'll, like, find that LeBron has a gene that isn't in other people. (laughs) You know, or or a combination. I mean, his height genetics are better than mine for basketball yes but well the point is the, the, whatever katie ledecky is or has or doing is in a different universe from the competition mm-hmm. um maybe she should have to compete alone i don't know i'm actually for uh the dissolution of a lot of the separations between people unless and this is my unless it is uh marketable meaning like if you want to have conor mcgregor fight in 145 pound division so that he can win and not get smoked by francis and ganu i get it it makes money the audience wants to see it do whatever, yeah. um, but when it comes to especially college, which is via Title IX partitioned these and says these must receive equal funding, these must, this must exist, I disagree. I think that uh, what should exist is what the students ask for, what the audience pays for and demands, and it should exist in relative
1: size to those two yeah. factors. Well, we don't, We've discussed it so much cool. at length. I don't want to re, rehash all of it, but I just thought it was interesting <laughs> because... It might be, but I don't, does, can Leah Thomas be Kaylee Decky? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> i have to I have to look it up. I mean, I imagine not. Maybe. No, I mean, honestly. She, again, what did she just win? Worlds? Well, Leah Thomas might have spoke to other people. Let's see. Uh, I'm not going to get this in one second. So, in any event. Sure. And then there's also the ethics of letting somebody who's under 12 years old transition, which we don't have to get into. Is that happening? That's the, that's when you're allowed to compete. Well, that's what
2: the, well, what people are saying is, look, we're not going to, what they're saying is, look, we're not going to tell you when kids should, shouldn't transition, but we are going to tell you that anybody who does it after this, and this might be
1: all of them. Correct. But if they do it before this, then they're cool. Yeah. That's what the rule is. Which is now, if they transition at 11, they can compete.
2: Which, which is an unpurposeful incentive, you know, or a reason to, if you want to be categorized in this group in the future to do that. Yeah.
1: Um. That's going to be a big issue that we don't have to sort out right now, but when someone has a legal right to decide to transition their gender, at what age? I feel like- It's going to be a very hot topic.
2: Well, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like it's going to be, and we could go really far down one wrong path or another, obvious what the right thing to do was in about 30 years, when you have a bunch of people who- have elected to allow their kids or put their kids on this vanguard and we'll we'll have the data you know we'll see and if they're happy healthy functioning oh. members of society are you,
1: are you saying that we'll make a decision based on the data
2: no 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 but it, i feel like it should be obvious because here's the thing if if the conservative review point is correct and this is destructive to health and happiness and a sense of self there's the data will prove that out
1: sure and if it's not and everything's great then the, the data will prove the data that out. will prove that out i bet you that the different sides will interpret and find their yeah. own data to support what they already believe sure and then we'll just have data mm-hmm. it'll be like the wage gap or uh iq test by demographic it'll be like all these other things where we have the data and then everybody fights tooth and nail to interpret it in the way that they don't have to change sure. their mind I'll change my mind if the data... I'm serious. No, I know. I'm just saying, but I, but I mean, to be clear, we, we just have data on so many things and people just squabble over what data sets to use and then how best to interpret it so that their side's right. Sure. And that's what'll happen. Good, yeah. I guess
2: how I feel is like, I don't have to make a decision on this. This isn't a problem that I'm bumping up against. Uh, and so I don't need to have a very strong opinion. And I... Until your kid is 12. Until my kid is 12. And you'll need to have an opinion. you'll need to have an opinion. And, and chances are, I probably won't need to have an opinion. If you figure that even even now where the percentages of uh, kids identifying as transgender are rising, it's a very low percentage. Um, so it's unlikely to be something that, that I encounter. And yeah, I don't have a strong opinion on it. and don't need to. And I'll develop a stronger opinion. when I see more data. Just more outcomes. You know, it's going to be, I feel like it should be obvious <laughs> at some point. It's like, oh, you're fine or you're not fine. Yeah, it just won't be. Yeah.
1: I mean, I've just seen this. Do you mean to you and I or you mean to the collective? I have seen Ben Shapiro make claims about how transitioning doesn't help with mental health. And then I've seen experts on the other side come out and talk about how he's wrong and the data he's using is wrong Mm -hmm. or he's misinterpreting it incorrectly. And they have data and they scream at each other from across the aisle and they are completely convinced that they're right and the other person is an idiot. Yeah. And
2: you think that that'll muddy things enough so that people like you and I can't even get a good grip
1: on it? Yeah, I don't have. I mean, I don't know whose data is right. I haven't dug deeply into Ben Shapiro's data for why he thinks that, and I haven't dug deeply into the other side's data on why they think he's wrong. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I mean, this is naive, but it's just like you just like to think that people would ultimately want people to be well, and so they <laughs> they would be. So, it'd be like, oh, this isn't working. We should stop. Would be a thing, or oh, they're okay. This you is know, great. Yeah. This is,
1: they're fine. Like I should leave them alone. Yeah. Wait, that's nah. not going to happen. But yeah. I mean, I think that's nice. That's a nice goal. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> what else? Anything? Cool. Let's go. What Let's do we we got any questions? questions. I saw some good yeah. comments briefly because I went through I last week I asked for comments on I think, video topics. I think Moody. So I actually went through our comments and I saw some good ones. Do we have anything?
0: Oh, I didn't write them down, but I can forward you like a list.
1: No, no, no. Not for the people. I'm saying I saw oh, other like thoughtful questions. comments
0: that I liked. Yeah, yeah. One that, um, one that I got that I thought was interesting, not because it just promotes our show, but was um, <laughs> this show is Justin's so- Justin's
1: voice is so sexy. <laughs>
0: this show is so good. I tell everyone about it, but it falls on deaf ears and lost in the noise of everyone talking about their favorite podcast that everyone needs to listen to. I've thought about it a bit and realized that I am not just competing with my friends about which podcasts are great listens, but also with the world and the whole attention economy. How do I tell people about your podcast in a way where they'll actually go check it out? I think send them the section that you enjoyed. This is what
2: always worked for me was uh, when I wanted someone to listen like the four hour or read the four hour work week. What didn't work was telling them about what I took from it. They're like, yeah. "Yeah, that's ridiculous." But sending them, and particularly Tim Ferriss, even sent specific chapters to people that he knew they would like, like cut the clip, be like, "Yo, I want to talk to you about abortion or trans." Yeah, and send like, send time stamped links. Yeah, I think that would that would help. And also, like, just recognize that um, I appreciate your perspective. I don't want to tell you that you're wrong, but like
1: Andrew Schultz is way funnier, and Joe Rogan gets better guests. And yeah, people like the some people who say this is their favorite podcast compared mm-hmm. to all those guys, Better Than Schultz, Better Than Rogan, which I think is very nice. So thank you all. They like the the thoughtfulness, the open, change your mind, shift from red side, blue side, depending on the issue, cover both sides in an attempt to kind of steel man them. They like the dialogue, the intellectual rigor, I guess. That's what I've seen from comments and from people who have reached out to me or that I've r- bumped into who like the podcast. Yeah. that They find that, unique to us that Joe and Andrew Schultz aren't doing.
2: It's kinda like, well, that that experience is a bit like meditation and that it doesn't instantly sell itself. It's not as fun as like, hey, you want to go, I don't
1: know. Well I think it's I think probably the best way to sell it would be to if that person has an opinion and we cover it well in a way that is interesting to them. That's probably the best way to do it is to find a topic. Where it's like, oh, you have this strong belief about costumes. You're going to love this. They talk about how pirates were slave owners. Mm -hmm. And that that gets you in the door, I think.
2: You know, I'm reminded of... um a movie that i said that i thought was the best movie but i also didn't recommend to everybody which is every, i don't know if you watched it yet
1: i'm halfway through it's fucking weird yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not, that's why I didn't, that's why i didn't recommend it to you i don't know if i like it or dislike it i'm not saying but it's so it's a very odd yeah. movie for everything sure. everywhere all at once to me charlie said it's the greatest
2: movie he's ever is seen undoubtedly the best and most beautiful movie i've ever seen bar none yeah um i could talk about it at length maybe another time but maybe after you watch it uh, yeah i'm an hour in i can ben's I, like awesome i'll go see i was like I don't know if you should. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. I was like, sick, I'll go see it right now. You go,
1: mm, I don't think you're going to like it. I don't, I don't want to be on the hook for yeah. that. I think I see where it's going, which I could imagine liking. But it it's just strange. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It's definitely strange. I feel similar to when I was recommending Jojo Rabbit to people. Mm-hmm. I was like, it's so good. Uh, it is a comedy about a child Nazi. So go in knowing, you know what I mean? Like it's like. And both of them, I think,
2: are like this in that the, it, the, it really does hinge on the second half. You know, like, it's not like, oh, I really love the fight sequence in the first half, and that did it for me. It's the second half of those movies what hammers it that's home. That's kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah. 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 So I think, I think the second half will deliver. There's parts that I think are underdeveloped or should be cut, but it's... Yeah, that's the sense I got. My sense when I got it was like, if my son made this movie... I would be so fucking proud. <laughs> I would because I, I couldn't even. I, was like, I can't make this movie. Like this movie's too beyond me. The, the practical effects, everything. The fuck, it's too. It's better than I am. But if my son made it, I'd be like, holy shit. What if your daughter made it? Was, <laughs> either way, dude. What if my daughter was my son? Well done. <laughs> You've evaded that trap. Yeah, yeah. No, that'd be incredible. It yeah. Was, it was done by the Daniels, which is why I, I say that it was two guys who made it.
1: Got it. So, yeah, that's how, I would, that's how I would do it. Have you time seen it, stamped, Justin? Time yeah,
0: I've seen it a few times. Is, oh, it, really? is, it, is it not fucking times. incredible? I think in my lifetime, yeah, it's the most, I guess, like, theater-worthy movie to ever come out. Like, I, when I left the theater, I kind of, I thought about the people who might have seen, like, Star Wars for the first time. Mm. And I was like, yeah, holy shit, that was a movie.
2: That was a movie. Yeah,
0: I was like, I don't know how to, it's, it's hard to sell to people, too, because it's so fucking, like, bizarre.
2: I try not to sell. But, I was like... I think it is the greatest movie that has ever been made. Go see it if you want. <laughs> and are like, what's might, it about? I'm like, I'm not, like not going to tell you what it's about because any attempt would ruin some of the impact. of it. Did you know it?
0: Um, well, gross. I mean, I, I was a huge fan of Swiss Army Men. So I so knew I, the knew the I was going to see it. Yeah, I knew it was going to be like weird. Yeah. Um, And then A24. Mm-hmm. So I figured it was going to be, you know, good, kind of art house-y. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it blew me away.
2: It's fucking wild.
0: I look forward to watching the second half. Uh, you've
2: seen it how many times?
0: Maybe like three. I'd say if you have a strained relationship with your parents, you'll probably love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. If you have a healthy relationship with like your mother, you, you might not like
2: it. <laughs> oh, I think it's more than that. I, 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 I think we can talk about it next week yeah i'll I'll finish it by next week we can bring it up the end is the end is crowded this is like this is for now because they try they do and try to do so fucking much in that last third it's just like jesus christ family everything existentialism it's all in there
0: um but with everything in there i i will say i think the storyline was so easy to follow yeah despite like how much shit is going on yeah yeah i think that's yeah that's wild
1: you guys are just dancing around. I'm I'm just praying. I'm just waiting for someone to be like, <laughs> no, yeah, it's no. so crazy in the last 10 minutes when this happens. It's like, no, yeah, well, now that's not. ruined forever. Um, cool.
0: Uh, okay, and then the next thing we can bring up is the general sentiment of the Jordan Peterson straw man. Mm. Uh, so last week, a lot of people kind of felt that um, the argument against casual relationships was straw manned because uh, the people who had seen the Jordan Peterson video thought that he was talking more about casual sex exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were kind of responding to casual relationships in like all facets of life, like Uber drivers or, you know, masseuses or That's whatever. That's Charles' point. That's,
2: so. Sorry, yeah, I, I can watch the whole clip. I did have to, not have to, I elected to turn it off because I was like, this is bothering me in how underwhelming I feel at the, the him addressing it. But my point is, He draws a line between sex and Uber drivers without saying why it ought to be drawn, without saying, for instance, sex is a spiritual act where people's essences commingle and entering into an Uber short-term contract is not. He just presumes that casual sex and casual Uber is not. And furthermore, he does say, yeah, do you want to be a casual person, to which I, I, like, Rhetorically, if I say yes, do I win the argument now? I don't know. I felt... I, I, I can go watch it and, and or respond to some of these specific arguments um, or specific questions, critiques. But, um, yeah, that's... I felt that it was incumbent upon him to explain why casual sex should be in a separate category from casual business negotiation. Because it's not obvious in his own language, (laughs) why that should be the case.
0: Nice. Cool. All right, we can move on to Patreon then. All right, what do we got for Patreon? Uh, We're going to be talking about how to best allocate your time into goals, uh, defining consciousness, and then common bad habits. Very good. If you guys want to support the podcast, keep us going.
2: Keep Justin watching movies. (laughs) Just wants to see it a fourth time, guys. Get him a ticket. <laughs> Any dollar amount uh, gets you access to a whole other user-listener-generated uh, podcast that we do over on Patreon where we answer your questions and riff on those. So we appreciate all of you guys who listen. We love all of you on Patreon even a little bit more. Um, but either way,
1: appreciate all of you. So thanks, guys. We'll see the rest of you on Patreon. That's saying a lot because my mom's a listener but not a patron. Is so that true? <laughs> think about that. If we love the patrons more than the listeners. I love you more than my own mother. Jeez. All right, let's do it.